This sermon audio is presented to you by Pastor Tommy Brandon and Calvary Church of Fort Worth. For more information, visit our website at calvaryftw.com. This is our third week in a great series called Game Plan. Game Plan. Now, it's football season. Uh, in case you didn't know, LSU won yesterday. And in case you didn't know, TCU played one awesome game Unfortunately, we lost, but I will tell you this. I was proud of the Frogs. They just hustled on get out yesterday. Cowboys play tonight. Anybody going to the Cowboys game by chance? Anybody going to the game? We had several earlier today going to the game. Anybody going to the game in this group? Anybody want to go to the game tonight, by the way? You do? Anybody else want to go? You, you, you want to go? Who, who? Dan, you want to go? Tell you what, get two tickets. I'll go with you. And... Uh, <laughs> We'll have an awesome night together. So how you worked that. That was, that was game plan right there. I worked my game plan. The reason I bring this up is the graphic is, is basically calling a play for an athletic team. Could be football. Could be, could be some scrimmage going on. Or it could be a championship game on the line. But everyone on the field in sports activity or on the court no matter what we're playing, we got to get an idea of what we're trying to accomplish. And most of the time, a good ball coach calls certain plays that will bring about success. Well, the byline of this series is living for God in today's culture. So over the last two weeks and now today, I'm doing my best to teach us from the word of the Lord how to live for God in today's culture, because cultures change. Living for God today in September of 2018 is different than it was September 1950 or September of 1900s. I know it's different today than it was in the New Testament, the book of Acts, when the New Testament church was birthed. Culture has developed over time. It's changed. So in our today's culture, there's got to be some things we can learn in order to sustain and keep our faith in God. Well, the first week of the series, we talked about one of the things you have to do is you got to live a balanced approach. You can't, you can't live on the extremes of dogmatic, mean, hateful Christianity. Isn't that an odd choice of words? Dogmatic, mean, hateful Christianity. But believe it or not, there's some Christians that try to live that way. You, you can't live that way. Nor can you swing over here to where you don't have any, any guidelines for living. You've you got to have some standards for living. You've got to have a commitment to holiness. You've you got to have the word of the Lord as, as a playbook. But unfortunately, there are some Christians that say, Well, I love Jesus, but I don't want all of his word. I love Jesus, and I don't need any standards of holiness. I just want to do what I want to do, how I want to do it, but I still want to be saved. Well, there's a balanced approach that I believe in today's culture requires us to love God, but also to be able to be nice and love people. Can I get an amen? And then last Sunday we studied the subtopic of I will, and we made some covenants with the Lord, promising some I wills, and I'd love for you to go online and listen to that message if you've not done so. Well, today... My subtopic is fireproof faith. Fireproof faith. A faith that won't be burned up in today's culture. 
a faith that can live through anything in today's culture. This message is going to be a little different than the previous ones. I'm going to basically work through a story. And there's a lot of scripture. I've provided all of these scriptures for you in your app, on your sermon notes. Calvary, FTW, all the sermon notes are there. But for our sake of time, I'm going to be working through them, summarizing. But they're there for your reading, okay? Let's go. Daniel 3, chapter 1. If you remember, there was a man that we've been studying by the name of Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar is the king of Babylon, that siege that took over the people of God. And he took them as his own slaves. And he chose a handful of young men from Judah that he was going to make his next generation leader. And uh, he took these young men that had influence that were difference makers. And he was going to indoctrinate them in the Babylonian way to train them up to be his next generational leadership model. Well, Nebuchadnezzar has major arrogance. Verse number one, King Nebuchadnezzar built a gold statue 90 feet high and nine feet thick. It's a statue of himself. This guy loves him some Nebuchadnezzar. And he built it 90 feet tall, 9 feet thick, and he doesn't stop. He says, now that I've built it, we're going to use it. How are you going to use it? Well, you're going to worship at it. Nebuchadnezzar said, when the big band plays, look at verse number 4. Attention everyone, every race, every color, every creed. When the band strikes up, when the music starts. All the trumpets, trombones, tubas, and baritones, and the drums and cymbals. I want you to fall to your knees and worship the gold statue that King Nebuchadnezzar has built. And then he doubles down. Anyone that, has, that, that does not worship, you're going to be thrown into a fiery furnace and be burnt up. So Nebuchadnezzar builds himself a statue that represents himself. And he says, you're going to worship it. And if you don't, you die. So the band starts playing. <laughs> and who knows what it really looked like. I know it says trombones and such. But who knows what that means. They could have had a little electric guitar. Maybe, a, maybe it was an acoustic set. Or maybe it was a fiddle. Devil went down to Georgia. Who knows? Who knows what the music was, but the music started, and, 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 and everybody started worshiping except the ones he really wanted to worship. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, we hear the music, but we're not going to worship. And someone saw him, and they went over to Nebuchadnezzar and said, hey, didn't you say that if somebody doesn't bow that you're going to throw them in a furnace? Of course, that's what I said. Yeah, why? Please don't tell me. Is there someone not worshiping? Yeah, it's the guys from, 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 uh, from Judah, the, the Hebrew boys, the, your next leaders. They're not worshiping. Well, bring them to me. So these guys walk into the presence of Nebuchadnezzar, and he says these words. I'm going to give you a second chance. When that music plays... I know it's different for you. You've been worshiping your God all these years. Things have changed. I'm your God now, guys. Okay? Everything's different. You don't call the shots anymore. I'm the man. 
Matter of fact, I've built me a statue to prove it. So when the music plays, you worship me. And guys, this is where our sermon really starts. Verse number 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, in the message transliteration, they respond, your threat means nothing to us. Now, I love the Living Bible's choice of translation here. If you have a Living Bible, you'll see it. If not, on your smart device, just kind of scroll through all the options and you'll pull up TLB, the Living Bible. And I love how they, they, they cite it. Your threat means nothing to us. And here it is in the Living Bible. We're not worried about what will happen to us. Don't worry. There you go. Good job. I was worried there for a minute. Y'all delayed. I was like, oh, my God, they've never heard this. First service, man, we had some 80-year-olds. Be happy. They were eating it up. Y'all are like, uh, be happy? Those were terrible moves. I'm praying that was not on video. That was so bad. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, we're not worried. I want to preach on that word for a moment. Worrying does not come from God. Worrying does not come from God. When a preacher makes a point with emphasis, typically you get a response. Worrying does not come from God. That's what I'm talking about, yeah. Worrying is, it, it, it is a slick move. It's a, it's a sly cover-up of the enemy. The enemy's never going to come at you with, with black and white, here it is in your face, deception. Most of the time it's very slick. And it's back door, it's through a window into your heart. Worrying is a work of the enemy of your future. God doesn't call you to worry. Bible doesn't say a man that worry pleases him. The Bible says it's impossible to please God without faith. Faith isn't worrying. Now, let's be real clear. I'm not talking about we put our heads in the sand and don't, and don't acknowledge trials and difficulties and challenges. That would be blind faith and there's no such thing. Faith, real faith, is acknowledging the problem and putting God in the middle of the problem and saying, even though there's a problem, God's bigger than the problem. And I'm going to be okay even with my problems. I've got problems. You've got problems. There's no problem having a problem. The only problem is when you don't put God in the middle of the problem. That can be problematic. He says, we're not, we're not worried about what you say is going to happen to us. We're not worried. And I'm preaching to a, a, a group of people here at this last service of our day that, that you come to church, you love the Lord, you're, 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 you love your family, but you've been worrying too much. God doesn't want you to worry so much. 
I know you've been worrying about your money. You've been worrying about your kids. You've been worried about your, your marriage. You've been worried about your job. You've been worried about your country. You're worried about your community. You've been worried about your physical health. Worry, 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 worry. That's not from God. The enemy doesn't care if you tithe. He just wants you worried about your money. Enemy doesn't care if you worship. He just wants you to worry about your time. He doesn't care if you come to church. He just worries if you're going to be productive or not. He wants you to worry, rather, if you're going to be productive or not. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, man, they look him in the eye and say, we're not worried about what will happen to us. So here's your first walk away today. You ready for it? Fireproof faith takes courage. Courage to look at the enemy in the eyeball and say, bring your best game. Give me your best shot. I'm not worried about the fallout with what you're saying is going to happen in my life. Somebody say courage. So where does this courage come from? How can you have courage to believe God even though somebody's telling you that you're about to lose your life? You're about to be thrown into a fiery furnace. How can you have that kind of courage? Courage comes from an established commitment. Fireproof faith takes courage. But the only way to have courage in the middle of a fiery furnace is that you've committed that God is able. Someone say commitment. Let's do this one more time. Everybody say courage. Everybody say commitment. This is where we get twisted. We think that commitment comes out of our courage. And that's not true. Our courage comes from our commitment. Let me just make it plain. When I'm committed in my marriage, I'll have courage because of my commitment level, I'll have courage to walk through every little fussy fight that we'll have. But why? Because I'm committed. A lot of people have the courage at the altar without the commitment. Wow. Never saw that coming. I need to write that down. That's some good premarital counseling right there. You better walk to the altar with the commitment and then operate with the courage in every little fussy fight that you'll have. This goes with the same Man, commitment to our kids, commitment to our job. Are you realizing that, that, that we're living in a culture that commits to nothing? And I'm not cracking on millennials because it has nothing to do with the generation. We're living in a culture that doesn't commit well. We don't commit to spouses. We don't commit to jobs. We don't commit to churches. 
I mean, heck, we don't commit to football teams. It's something so silly and shallow. We definitely don't commit to leadership of football teams. I, I, I am so sports up today. And I got to be so careful. We used to have this older lady. She's deceased now. And Sister Audrey used to sit right where this young couple is sitting on the front row. And one time out loud, out loud from the front row. Enough about all the sports and politics. God rest her soul. Lord bless her. Because she's right. Enough about sports and politics. But I will tell you this. Isn't it weird how a, a brand new coach could lose his very first game of the season and everybody wants him fired? It's like give the dude a chance, right? Hey, you said I do. Let's give him a chance. Let's give her a chance. You took the job. Let's give the boss a chance. You hired the guy. Let's give him a chance. You came to the church. Let's give the pastor a chance. Let's, let's, you know, the thing is, is these guys said we have a commitment. What was their commitment? Well, let's look in Scripture. First of all, they had the courage to say what? We're not going to worship your God. But how about their commitment? Daniel 3 verse 17 if you throw us in the fire, the God we serve can, everyone say can, everyone say can, third time's a charm, everybody say can, he can rescue us, but even if he doesn't, now it's not about can and can't, he can, but even if he doesn't, it wouldn't make a difference, because we're not going to serve your God, and we're not going to bow to your statue. You're playing the music, we're not worshiping. But I'm going to throw you in a fire furnace. Well, that doesn't worry us. We're not bothered by that. Why? Because God can rescue us. And just, just to answer the question you're about to ask, even if he doesn't, it's not going to make a difference. We're still not going to worship your statue. See, we're living in a day and time right now where the, where the Christian is under attack. If, what, if, what if God doesn't do what you need him to do are you still going to serve him now let me share something very personal in my life very 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 personal right here and and i've said this in all two services before and i'm gonna say it in this one you gotta understand the month of august for me was awful i lost my dad in the month of august and the way I lost him, it wasn't a tragic car accident. It, 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 it wasn't a three-year battle of cancer. It was an out-of-the-blue, crazy situation where my dad had a seizure, and he went into a coma for about 18 days. But let me tell you what the enemy does to a preacher. Okay, to a preacher. I make a lot of hospital visits, and I pray for a lot of people. But I found myself at a hospital for 10, 11, 12 hours a day for a long time praying for my dad. Just praying that his hands would move. Just, just, just needing God to do a miracle and let him just, let him just look at me and talk to me. I don't, I don't, I don't need him to, I don't need him to step up out of the bed and and run around the hospital acting crazy and having fun. Maybe, maybe, but I just, all I need right now, God, I just need him to. Can he move his toe for me, God? Will you just let me see his toes move? And let me let me explain my point. Okay, the enemy gets in my head. Hey, you're a preacher. 
How are you going to preach about healing if your dad doesn't walk out of here? Here you are. You, you, you preach faith and, 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 boy, you tell the whole church, you know, God can. And look at your dad. He, he may, not, may not leave this hospital. And your mom's sitting over here on the, on the couch and your, and your sister's over here on that chair. And your own wife is over here drinking her cup of coffee. And you've got a 12-year-old and an 8-year-old daughter in the room. And you're praying the prayer of faith over your dad. And what if he doesn't walk out of here? How are you, how, how you going to handle that, pastor? How are you going to ever preach about the healing power of God when he can't even heal your own dad? When he can't heal your own dad? How are you going to handle that? How are, you going, how are you going to navigate your next hospital visit? When that person says, oh boy, here comes the guy that prayed for his own dad and his dad didn't live. How are you going to handle that pressure? Let me tell you how. Fireproof faith. It starts with a commitment. The commitment and the, and the, and the, the, the wavering is not if he can, it's if he will. Once you establish that God can, you can have the courage to pray for something that very few of you know how to define. And I'm fixing to teach you. So put your thinking caps on. When you have the commitment in God that he can do anything, you can pray for the sovereign will of God. Sovereign. The sovereignty of God. Well, what's the sovereignty of God? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego just told us. He said he can, but even if he doesn't. The sovereignty of God is, I'm going to apply for that job, but even if I don't get it. The sovereignty of God is, I'm going to, make the, I'm going to put the down payment on that house and make the bid on and put the offer out there. But if I don't get it, well, what's the follow-ups? God's still God, and God's still good. Because I don't base my faith in God on my circumstances and how things are going in my life. How do I, how? How do you get to this point? It's commitment. And we're in a culture that doesn't want to commit to anything. So if you're going to have a game plan and if you're going to live for God in today's culture, it doesn't happen with, with good music. It doesn't happen with, with fantastic preaching. <clears throat> no, that's meaningless when it comes to when the fire's turned up. I mean, good Lord, if you can't worship having Colt Smith over here leading you, you're as dead as last year's bird's nest. Did you see that guy? He was so wired up, I had to go get a stinking cup of coffee because I thought, I can't keep up. I can't do it. He is crazy. He's so crazy, I need a cup of coffee. I mean, he was jumping this high. And what's awesome is my friend, my friend Scott that's here, my, my, my friend Scott, he tells me all the time, is, is, is Colt singing? I'm like, I don't think he's singing. Well, we'll come back next week. And I just lie now. I just tell Scott. I'll see Scott at Walmart. And I'm like, Colt's singing Sunday. We'll be there. Uh, Denora, can you put Colt on the schedule for, <laughs> I need Colt to sing. That dude is wired up crazy. But guess what? When your little tail's thrown in the fire, Colt ain't going to be in the fire with you. At least he hopes he's not.
when I'm standing in the hospital room with my dad that won't move, couldn't find Colt. And I couldn't find a sermon. And it took me a while to even want to come back to preach. Because it's not the sermons, and it's not the singing, and it's not the people, it's not the church, it's not the I have decided t-shirts, it's not the Instagram followers, it's a commitment. And if you'll nail this thing down called commitment, you can have the courage to look Nebuchadnezzar, your Nebuchadnezzar in the eye and say, you, you can threaten me with whatever you want to threaten me with, but I'm not bowing. You can tell me it's cool to have gender confusion, but I'm not going to be confused. You can tell me that it's popular to not believe in this and not to believe in that, but I'm going to keep believing. You can tell me that, that it's, that, you know, you can tell me that it's not wise to parent my child through a biblical perspective, but I'm, but I am. Why? Because I'm committed. Well, this is what happens in the story. <laughs> These cats say, do whatever you want. We're not worried. Nebuchadnezzar gets bent out of shape. And he says, turn the fire up seven times hotter than it should be. So this thing is cooking. And he throws all three of them into the fiery furnace. And the story goes on to tell us that verse 21 of Daniel 3, that these men were bound in their coats and trousers thrown into the fire. And verse 24 comes, and we honestly don't know if this was an hour later, eight hours later. Many commentaries, they don't come into an agreement, so I'm not going to dare touch it. I just know that at some point later, Nebuchadnezzar looks into the furnace. And Nebuchadnezzar says, hold up. Didn't we put three guys in the furnace? And the response of the crowd assumed there was only one or two. And they said, yeah, 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 don't, don't worry. Nobody got away. We put all three of them in there. And he said, that's the problem. You, you put three. No one got accidentally lost and put in there, right? Because there is a fourth <laughs> and New King James Scriptures tell us in verse 25, I see four men loose, and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. So these men have a commitment about them. You can throw us in the furnace all you want, and God can deliver us. Now, just to let you know, if he doesn't, we're still not going to worship your statue. So go ahead, turn the fire up, put us in there. We're good. If we die, we die. If we live, we live. It's win-win. If It's kind of like Paul. Paul, what did Paul tell me? Paul said, you know what? To live for Christ, I'll take that. That's victory. But to die for Christ, that's victory as well. It's a win-win. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego thrown into the fire. And now Nebuchadnezzar says, I see a fourth and it looks like the Son of God. It gets better. Verse 26, 27. 26 and 27. They saw these men in the fire, and their bodies were not affected by the fire whatsoever. Can I preach to somebody right now? 
And I wish you would help me preach for just a moment. The hair on their head was not singed. Their garments of clothing were not affected. But the coolest part to me in, the, in, the, in this translation says, And the smell of fire was not on them. There's some of you that find yourself in a test right now. Your marriage is being tested. Your happiness is being tested. Your mind is being tested. Your emotions are being tested. Your, your, your job is under the test. Can I just tell you something? If you'll commit to God... If you'll lay it down, if you'll go all in and you'll commit to God with a fireproof faith that no matter what the outcome, God is still God and God is still good, you'll come out of the fire and you won't even smell like the fire that you've been in. In other words, it won't leave one single effect on your life. You can get laid off and have a better job tomorrow if you go through the test properly. You go through the test bowing and panicking and worrying and doubting God and questioning God. You'll go through the layoff wondering how it's ever going to work out good for you. But I've seen people get laid off and then picked right back up with more income with better hours. Why? Because they went through the test right. And they came out on the other side of the test with a testimony. Because of God's faithfulness, but also because of their commitment. Somebody say amen today. Don't even smell like the fire they've been in. Let me give you one more here. Fireproof faith, it takes courage. Well, how do I get that courage? Because fireproof faith takes commitment. And if you'll commit, you'll get the courage. But here's what's awesome. Fireproof faith, a committed faith that has courage, it influences other people. The way you handle your test will influence other people. The way you handle your test could actually even influence the one that's testing you. This is what happened. Look at verse number 28. Nebuchadnezzar... (laughs) Is there a fourth one in the fire? Bring them out. Look at these boys. They don't even smell like they've been in the fire. It messes Nebuchadnezzar up so bad that he even flip-flops in his own commitment. All this time, Nebuchadnezzar been like, turn up the fire. I'll burn people. I'm so big and bad. I got a statue 90 feet tall, 9 feet thick. I'll burn you if you don't worship. I'll burn you. I'll just cook you. He is so mean and vile, but yet the way they handled their test, it messed him up so bad that verse 28 says, Nebuchadnezzar has a change of heart and he says these words, Blessed be the name of the Lord of of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. This dude is a, he's like new convert. He's just been saved all of a sudden. He just come to the Lord all of a sudden. Then boys were thrown in the fire and they lived through it. I want to serve a guy like that. Nebuchadnezzar changes so drastically that the decree that he had written, anybody that does not worship me shall be thrown into the furnace. He's like, throw that away. Let me write a new decree. And it says this. The new decree says, 
It says, therefore, I issue this decree. Anyone, anywhere, any race, any color, any creed, whoever says anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, anybody that says a word about that God, I'll rip them to pieces limb to limb. Now, he may have had a change of heart, but he's on his journey. He's developing. He just went through growth track. You know what I mean? He's trying to find himself, you know. We believe here at Calvary that you can get saved this fast, but, you know, finding freedom, it's a process. And Nebuchadnezzar's like, I love the Lord, but I'll kill you if you talk about him. And he doesn't just say, I'll kill you. He says, I'll rip you to pieces, live to live. No, this dude was bad, man. But, you know, it's nothing different like, Paul, uh, like, like Peter, rather, in the New Testament. Peter's like walking around with Jesus. He preaches on the day of, of Pentecost in the book of Acts. But it was just a few days ago. Peter's taking a knife out just like, I'll stab you, Mr. Jesus. I'll cut your heart out, man. You know, everybody, we just, we take our, we, we're on a process, aren't we? Nebuchadnezzar, he says, man, your God is like nothing I've ever seen. And the most vile, hateful, I'll I'll take my liberty, the most demonic, dark figure in the story of Daniel has a change of heart because of how they handled their test. You want to mess a boss up? Handle his test on you the right way. Why would I want to do that? Keep reading. Nebuchadnezzar said, anybody that talks about their God, I'll destroy you. But then he looks at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And the Bible says in verse 30, then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. If you want me to tell you right now, here it is, everybody. If you want to know the shortcut to God's best in your life, you commit to him before the test ever comes. So while you're in the test, you'll have the courage to survive the test. And on the other side of the test will be your testimony of God's promotion. These men not only survived the fire, but they were promoted. Their blessing came through a trial. I'm not sure if you're catching this. So every fuss with husband and wife, the blessing comes surviving the fuss. Every crazy teenager you're rearing up in your house that just gives you fits. Somebody say, tell me. Yeah, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Guess what? Survive the test with the grace and mercy of God because there's a promotion coming. The promotion is one day they'll be at your house. The way you handle the test of culture will dictate the promotion that comes upon your life. I want Jeff to come and help me, Jeff, alone today. Come and help me. I want you to stand. I'm going to cover my bases here. I want to give you my three last preaching points, and then I want to pray over you. I've got a new favorite scripture How often do you change favorite scriptures, Pastor Tommy? Every Sunday. 
<laughs> it's like whatever I'm looking at, like, well, that, that, that's my favorite scripture. This, this, this ranks up there, man. Y'all want something special? Check this out. 1 Corinthians 16. Y'all, y'all, y'all need to put this up on a sticky note, man. Put this on the fridge. This, this is a fridge scripture. 1 Corinthians 16, verse 13. You ready? Be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Everybody say, stand firm in the faith. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. Be strong. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. Be strong. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. Be strong. But do everything in love. Discipline strong, them kids. But do it in love. Watch this. Stand firm in the faith. What do I need to stand for? I grew up in a church environment where, where we, we, we stood against a lot of things. Boy I, I, boy, I could tell you what we stood against. I mean, we stood against some stuff, boy. What are you for? I don't know, but I know what I'm against. Stand for something or you will fall for anything. Let me give you a few things to stand for and then I'm going to pray a special prayer over you. And we're going we're gonna to let the Holy Spirit work, okay? Y'all ready for this? Stand for prayer. If you want to know how to survive in the last days in this culture, be somebody that's not scared to pray. I love our men's group. I should have done this in these first two services, but I didn't. If there's any men in this room, any men that, that Thursday mornings, if Thursday mornings during small group semesters, if, if, if you have any flexibility clocking in at work, we do a 7.40 a.m. prayer breakfast at, in Burleson at a place called Our Place every Thursday morning during small group semesters. And it's incredible. And we eat a good meal. And we share our prayer needs as men. And we just, we just go take on the day. Most of us are walking out by about 8.30. And it's just a quick power breakfast. And we just bless each other with, with, with love and support. And, but here's the deal. I love our prayer breakfast because, I mean, we'll have, on a low day, we might have about eight guys. On a high day, we could be pushing, you know, almost 20 sometimes. And it's funny, we'll, we'll shut that whole restaurant down when it comes time for prayer, boy. And, and it's funny because all of us men, pastor included, you know, you first think, hey, why don't y'all just, God is great, God is good. Let us thank him for our food. Bless the dogs and don't worry about the cats in Jesus' name. But man, that's not what we do. Boy, Pastor Dustin Watts leads it, and I'll be sitting down there with my cup of coffee, and boy, them men will go to praying over their needs. In the culture we're in, don't, don't be ashamed to pray because you're only as good as your relationship with God as your communication with God is. 
if, if Denora and I don't communicate, even though she's hot, if we're not, sorry, even though she's cute, is that better, baby? She's been trying to get on to me about my language in the pulpit. Even though she's smoking hot. If we don't talk, that's not going to go too good. There's got to be communication. I'm sorry, Mama. My mother's offended. Everybody say communication. Don't be ashamed to pray. Pray to the Lord in private. Pray to the Lord in public. Don't be ashamed to pray. If you're going to live in this culture, you start, you start being ashamed of praying in public. It's not going to be long until you just don't pray. And I can tell you right now, you don't want to be in this culture without prayer. Here's the second one's purpose. You have a purpose. You need to stand for your purpose. Put on the whole armor of God. Be proud of what God means in your life and what He's doing in your life. But thirdly and finally, before I kind of take my liberty in the Holy Spirit with you, and that is stand for God. God and the Word of God is under attack like never before. So the people of God need to stand up, be proud of our faith, not proud in a dogmatic mean sense, but proud that we know who God is and, and He's good all the time. So let me close today with this. And I'm going to do this in a way where I could, where I can do what I need to do, but also not, not, not keep you too, too long. This thing called that fiery furnace, this thing called the test. And on the other side of the test was promotion. I feel led to dismiss you this way today. If you need to get through a fire that you're in, I'm going to have you come in just a moment. And if you need a promotion in life, and it could be the simple sense of a promotion at work, but, but there's more promotions than just that. If you need, if you need to go to the next level in, at home, in, in relationships, and if you need to be promoted, if you need... If, if, it's, if you've been committed and you've come through some things, it's, it now what we need to be praying is the prayer of faith for your promotion. You need God to bless you. You need God to bless you. So two things. If you're in the fire right now, I want to pray with you through the fire. But if you're ready for promotion in your life, I want to pray for that as well. This is the luxury of this service. I love this service because I have a luxury here. I have nowhere to go other than here with you. And I want to spend time with you. So Jeff, I'm going to ask you just to play a little bit. Taking down those lights slightly. If you have a need in your life and you just want God to move upon your heart, this is where a spirit-filled church goes into action. We don't have another service on us. We've had a great day so far, but right now something can, something can happen for you supernaturally. As you close your eyes, for those that need something special, for those that know who I'm talking to, I want you now to just come down front with me. Come quickly. Don't wait another second. Well, praise the Lord. God bless you, ma'am. Already here. Come on. If you just need something, 
this is kind of where this service comes in so handy for me because it just allows us to just to operate in the Holy Spirit. That's right. My goodness gracious. Wow. My goodness. Press on in here. Press on in here. Wow. Man, I love this service. This is some hungry people ready for God to do a work in your life. Denora, come here. Grab a mic. I'm sorry, baby. You don't need a team. I just need you. Just come on up here. Just flow for a minute, D. Just flow with me for a minute. Sweetheart, God's on your life right now. I don't know what you got going on, but Holy Spirit's about to bless you real good. God bless you. I love that whole family. I see you as a whole family. So let me kind of work for a minute before I pray in the Holy Spirit over you. I need you to talk to me, okay? I need you to talk to me. Do you think, do you think God can? Do you think God can? Or are you focusing on what he can't do? Because if the enemy has you thinking of what he can't do, we're already stepped behind. Because I got news for you. There's nothing he can't do. Okay? So I know you have a want. Your want is you want God to do something. I want you to now move from establishing your want to declaring that God can. Okay? God can. There's nothing he can't do. God can. God can heal you. God can. Oh, thank you, God. God can restore you. There's things you need that you're not even aware of right now. They're deeply embedded in your spirit. But God's already going to start working on them, okay? God's going to do something in your life. I see grown men with tears rolling down their cheeks right now. I see families, husbands, and wives. Holy Spirit's doing a work right now in your life. Now, right here, if we have prayer partners in the room, I want you to come right behind these people and just just be here to pray over them. Prayer partners, come and just stand right behind these people and just pray over them. Y'all ready to let Holy Spirit do a work in your life? Before I pray, I want you to set that tone, D. Go ahead and just sing a little bit for me. God with us, God for us. Get that into your heart. He's for you. can come against. No one can stand between us. Go ahead and take that in. God with us, God for us. Yeah. Nothing can come against. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Walls are breaking down right now. Doubts are crumbling right now. Fear is trembling right now. 
in the name of Jesus. All things are possible to him that believes. In the name of Jesus. Healing, restoration, forgiveness. In the name of Jesus. Redemption. In the name of Jesus. May the ministry of grace and mercy, deliverance and healing be at work. Restore these in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus. God for us, nothing can come against us. If you need a physical healing in your body, your body needs healed. Lift up your hand, receive this over your life. In the name of Jesus, all illness, all ailment. No one can stand. I pray over cancer. I pray over diabetes. I pray over thyroid issues. I pray, Lord, over spinal problems. I pray in the name of Jesus over emotional issues. In the name of the Lord, heal from the inside out of this body. May this body be healed in Jesus' name. I pray about the blood. I pray for the blood in the body right now. May the blood be pure and healed in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. 